And the church said, Amen. Well, it's beginning to look a little bit like Christmas around here. I walked in um, one day this week, and Pastor Brent said, have you been in the sanctuary yet? And I said, no. And I came in, and I can't tell you the flood of memories that came back of all the years of things that we have done here at the Christmas season to celebrate the coming of the Lord. But Christmas is a wonderful season, isn't that right? Yes. And I hope you will... uh, do as I have done this week and take some of our, do we have the little uh, cards available at the various stations around the place? I uh, actually went around my neighborhood, uh, I think it was on Friday, and, uh, and personally invited some of my neighbors to come to our event. It's uh, this coming Saturday night and Sunday night. And so this is what this season is about. This is why we uh, provide those flyers for you because this is about inviting and asking your neighbors to come and your friends to come. Uh, if you're getting your hair cut or you're at a store someplace, take some of those cards with you and invite people to come to the house of the Lord. I think it would be a great thing. I would like to say it's delightful for my, to have my mother here visiting from St. Louis. Can you stand and wave, Mom? <clears throat> she was here for the Thanksgiving holiday. She made me promise not to make her say anything today, so I'm not going to, you don't have to sing, you don't have to play the organ, you don't have to do nothing today. You just, just can sit there. She's, she told me that she's enjoying her being retired. She was a pastor's wife for many, many, many years and served incredibly well. Uh, I thought she was like the iconic uh, pastor's wife and always dearly loved, but she's enjoying um, just sitting back and relaxing at this period of time, and so that's, that's good for her. Um, I'm feeling a bit of pressure this morning, um, knowing that last Sunday, Pastor Michael gave you a great word on Thanksgiving, and yet he dismissed you at 1140. Yeah, woohoo. I just need you to understand that he and I tend to be from two different schools. I tend to be from the school of thought that says, why use three words when you can use 300? <clears throat> but he can uh, get it said very well with far less words. But make, I make no promises about the dismissal time today, but I do promise to give you what's on my heart this morning. Is that okay? I trust you had a great Thanksgiving and that you were able to enjoy a delightful feast with family and friends. And certainly the Lord gave us a beautiful day in, in here in Texas on Thursday, and the Cowboys gave us win number 10. <clears throat> Somehow I knew you would respond to that. Great food, great game, great weather, great Lord Jesus. What's not to love, right? We are a blessed people, that's for sure. Well, here we are just after our Thanksgiving holiday, and it seems to me, maybe I don't remember right, but it seems to me when I was younger, we had a bit of a gap or a bit of divide between Thanksgiving and Christmas But somehow over the years, it's just all run together. Have you noticed that? And so the fact that we have had our Thanksgiving meal, it launches us full steam into the Christmas holiday. So though we are right between Thanksgiving and Christmas, I I have a, a message this morning that's going to be from the Christmas story, but it is yet something for which you can give thanks. So we're gonna we're gonna cover both ends of it today. So are you ready? Let's, uh, let's be encouraged by the word of the Lord this morning. But first, I have a question for you. I want to ask you, how many of you, by show of hands, have ever made a wrong decision before in your life? Let me see your hands. No one in the balcony, two in the balcony have made, okay. Well, let me just say, for those of you who didn't raise your hands, tonight at the, at the prayer service, we're going to be dealing with the spirit of lying, Okay. And we'll be praying for you in that service, so I, I invite you to be sure and come. I deal on a regular basis with so many people who live in fear of making a, a mistake. They live in fear of making a wrong decision. They're, they're worried about tomorrow, and, and I, some literally take it to the point of being paralyzed about making a, a wrong move and its resulting consequences. Because the fact is, and we know this, choices have consequences. They do. Am I right about it? <clears throat> well, I just want to tell you something this morning because I want us to be encouraged today. If you have committed your life to Christ, 
And if you are walking in daily relationship with him, and if he has done a work inside of you, I want you to be reminded of this this morning. He's got your tomorrow all figured out. Hallelujah. Now, that doesn't mean that you're going to sit back and do nothing. Doesn't mean that you can just take an attitude that says, well, okay, sarah, sarah, whatever will be, will be. It doesn't mean that you stop praying. It doesn't mean that you stop seeking his face. It doesn't mean that you won't have to put forth some effort. But it does mean that you need not worry about your future because it is in the hands of a loving God. And he knows the plans that he has for you. And they are for your good. So I want you to take your Bibles or your device this morning and <clears throat> excuse me, we're going to turn to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 1. Black Friday is behind us, praise God. And whether you're ready or not, we are in the Christmas season. So let's go to the story of the birth of Christ in the Gospel of Matthew. But just before we read it, I, I, I want to let you know something that is really very true for me, and that is there is often a trigger point for me or something that triggers messages that I bring to you on Sunday as I prayerfully uh, lay myself before the Lord, and it's, it's not unusual for me to have heard a reoccurring theme from several folks that uh, unrelated stories and people that don't even necessarily know each other that I've spoken with over the last few days, and, and that will often stir my heart and motivate me to ask the Lord if, some, if there's something from His Word that would be a help to us. I've spoken recently to people who are considering a career change and uh, who have the option of choosing between a couple of different cities, let's say uh, either DFW or Boston or, or someplace else. And Others are trying to determine if they should marry or not, assuming they have that uh, presented to them as a possibility. Some people are taken away with, should, should I sell my house now? Is this the optimum, optimum time to sell my house? Should we build a home? Or should we just renovate the old one that we're living in? Or, or where should my kids be in school? What about this other position that I'm being offered at work? Or how can I get out of this miserable job I'm in now? And the list goes on and on and on. And we are very prone to get ourselves all worked up over these life choices, sometimes even losing a night's sleep over them. I know, I know that can happen. And oftentimes, we, uh, uh, some folks get to the point of even saying, I've, I've heard this recently, get to the point of saying, okay, Lord, if I pull up to the stoplight and the signal is on to turn left, then I know you're leading me into that neighborhood. We'll buy a house over there. Or, Lord, I'm going to drive down 820, and if the next billboard is an advertisement for a real estate company, then I know you want me to sell my house. And I have people who sit in my office and say to me, literally, Pastor, I am just, I really don't want to be out of God's will. And that's a good thing. And I'm just so afraid that I'm going to make a wrong choice. It's as if they've concluded that finding God's will is like this treasure hunt where you simply can't possibly figure out what God wants for you. So maybe you are down to choosing between two job offers. One is in Phoenix and one's in Orlando and, and you choose Orlando and it's like you're afraid God's sitting on the throne of heaven going, oh man, I wish they would have chosen Phoenix. I had everything all set up for them there. And so now it's going to be terrible the rest of your life if, if you just would have listened. Some of us live that way, with that kind of fear. We live as if choosing the wrong thing or making the wrong decision that is going to cause us to be doomed for life. And somehow we've decided that God would be okay with that. Well, I want to encourage us all this morning. And I want you to hear me carefully. Let's... Put the burden on God and take it off of us. You didn't hear me. Let's take the burden of our life and put it on God and take it off of us. Peter tells us, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. And let us not forget what the psalmist says in Psalm 37 when he says, Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him. And he will do it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, church. Hallelujah. Now, 
I will, I'll, granted, there's some prayer requests that probably are off limits. I'm going to give you that. Asking God to take you to places beyond that which He has designed for you is, is probably not going to work. Like if you stand today at five feet, five inches, and you are a, an adult, you're probably not going to get much success if you ask God to make you 6'5". That's probably not going to happen. Most of us in the room asking God if you can replace Dak Prescott next week is not probable, okay? Or asking God to give you wings to fly like a bird is probably not going to happen. But you can ask God for wisdom for what you are supposed to do according to His design and His plan. And the wonderful news for us today, church, is this. He wants to give you that wisdom. He doesn't want it to be a mystery for you. He wants to give you that wisdom. Our job is just to be sure that we are listening to what the Lord has to say, keeping our hearts open to Him. So there's this story that you know so well in Matthew chapter 1 that I want to take you to this morning as we kick off the Christmas season. Because I think it's good for all of us to be reminded of God's divine guidance which takes place right in the midst of our human weakness. How many of you are glad with me this morning that in the midst of our propensity to make mistakes and make wrong turns and mess things up, we still have a God who can give us divine guidance? And I think it's important to discuss this today very simply because as we start to wind up this year and face the possibilities of a new year in 2017, some of you are already contemplating change that may take place for you in the new year. I know that because many of you have talked with me. You may already be facing those possibilities or challenges. And so let's go to the Christmas story in Matthew chapter 1. I want to show you something about Joseph, the man who was to be the husband of Mary, the mother of Jesus. <laughs> this man Joseph, with all of his human weakness, was, as we're going to see, as we're going to read, I'm going to try to blow it up for you here this morning. Joseph, with all of his human weakness, was one step away from making the worst mistake in all of history. Some of you may be a step away from making a big mistake in your life, but this guy was one step away from making the biggest mistake of all time, and he was about to blow everything. He was about to mess up everything God had been doing and preparing since the beginning of time. Now, let me tell you, that's a mistake. Let's read Matthew chapter 1. I'm going to start with verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed or engaged to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man, say righteous man, and not wanting to disgrace her, he planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Consider with me this morning what an amazing moment this is right here. What an incredible thing that is taking place at this specific point of Scripture. Joseph and Mary are engaged. To the Jewish people, being betrothed or engaged meant the same as marriage, except that uh, man and woman did not live together, and they certainly at that point had not been intimate with each other. But they were still called husband and wife upon the engagement. At the end of the engagement, then they would consummate the marriage. And therefore, if according to Deuteronomy 22, as engaged and an engaged or betrothed woman finds herself pregnant, here's what you need to understand about that culture at that time. It was a capital offense. So let's get the picture, because we, 
we had to view that juxtaposed to the very casual and glib and relaxed culture of our day where premarital relations is no longer viewed as an issue because, folks, we are living in the very rapid decline of that standard in case you didn't know that. But if you look at Deuteronomy 22, because she's pregnant, she is now eligible and not yet married, she is now eligible for the death penalty according to the custom of the day. But she's not only pregnant, but she's got a bigger problem than that, if you can imagine. And the problem is this, that if anyone were to ask her who the father is, and she gives the correct answer, their response has to be something like this. How dare you say that? So Joseph now has a fiancé who's not only pregnant before their actual marriage, but now she appears to be committing blasphemy. So I guess they're going to have to kill her twice because both are worthy of being put to, put to death in that day and time. You know, you think you've been walking the floors at night with your problems. Joseph has got problems, big problems, and there is no alibi for him. His fiance is pregnant by the Holy Spirit, Spirit, carrying within her the very Son of God, Emmanuel, and so you have to begin to wonder, with that kind of facing, that kind of issue, what is Joseph's next move? How is he supposed to deal with this incredibly difficult situation that he didn't create it, he didn't cause it, it's not his fault, he really had nothing to do with it, but yet he has to deal with it. I mean, look at his perspective for just a moment. Let's, let's not just slide over this story because we've read it all of our lives every Christmas season. We know it so well and we are so familiar with it. Joseph is engaged. They've stayed pure. He's done everything right. But yet, here is his dilemma. And so what does he do next? Now, if that's not bad enough, let me add just one more perspective to it that adds even more weight to it, and that is this, that what is taking place at the advent of the Lord Jesus is that which God has been putting in place and has been designing and doing things for the last 3,000 years to prepare for this moment. You think Joseph feels any weight of responsibility? This birth will be the night of all nights. Everything about the eternal plan of God rests on the proper execution of this plan that God has so skillfully put in place. God has worked all of history to this moment. He has worked outer space to be sure that that special star is perfectly aligned to carry off its part of this whole thing. He's leading a whole caravan of, of, of men. That, that star is leading the whole caravan of men from the east to bring from the Babylonian area all the way to Bethlehem. Brent, you think you've got problems with logistics concerning the Christmas concert next weekend. My brother, just be glad. He needs to be glad that he wasn't responsible for the first Christmas. It had a whole lot more logistics. God has worked all of history through the prophets. He's worked all of outer space to align everything just perfectly. He's rehearsed the angel choir dealing with all the issues of sopranos, altos, tenors, and basses. I know what I'm talking about, hallelujah. And he has to be sure that the inn is all full of people and there are no more rooms left, not to mention that this is the very coming of the Savior, Redeemer, who's going to save the entire world from their sin. I think you get the picture this morning. There's a lot riding on this situation, and probably Joseph doesn't even have a clue how critical this all is in the eternal plan of God. And the moment has come where God the Holy Spirit has impregnated this young virgin for the fulfillment of Scripture, and now Joseph is just about to mess everything up with one decision. He's about to make one decision that will ruin all of it, centuries, ruin all of it. Some of you know what it is like to feel the, the weight of the world. Some of you have had to face decisions, at least in the weight of your world, that were very critical moments of decisions. But Joseph, 
He stands at the precipice of making the greatest mistake in all of human history, a decision that would mess up a plan that the sovereign, almighty God has been designing since the beginning of time. And the mess up would be this, what we just read a moment ago, that Joseph decides he will secretly put her away and break the engagement quietly, which was his plan, which was his thinking, as we just read. Now get this. Let's just consider that for a moment. If Joseph follows through with his plan, then the Bible is false and God is a liar. If Joseph follows through with his plan, then the prophecies down through the ages will be found to be not true. If Joseph follows through with his plan, then all of Christianity could be finished by his one decision. It all hinges on one decision. And there is so much at stake, and it all rides on what happens in this one moment. So what's he going to do? He plans to put her away secretly, and he's one step away from making that very serious mistake. There's an author that has fed and nourished the souls of many of us in this room. His name is A.W. Tozier. I've had some of you even give me his books. His very well-known books, The Knowledge of the Holy, The Pursuit of God, they are classics and absolutely phenomenal writings. Tozier has given us many quotes, uh, a couple of them are my favorites. He has said this, I can safely say, Tozier says, on the authority of all that is revealed in the Word of God, that any man or woman on this earth who is bored or turned off by worship is not ready for heaven. Boy, you love that, didn't you, this morning? But it's true. If you are bored with worship down here, what makes you think you're going to be ready for heaven? Because we're going to spend eternity around the throne of God, worshiping Him forever. There's another one that he has, Tozer has given us that I like, and he says this. He says, Christians don't tell lies. They just go to church and sing them. Ooh. But what I want to give you this morning is a quote from his books, The Root of the Righteous and From the Set of the Sail. And here's what Tozer says that may help us this morning. And I want you to listen carefully. Tozer said this, I believe it is impossible when a man or woman is walking with Jesus in right relationship, holding all things constant, Tozer says, I believe it is impossible for a man or a woman to make a wrong decision because God will move heaven and earth to put them right back on track. Did you get that? It is impossible for a man or a woman of God who is in right relationship with him to make a wrong decision because God will move heaven and earth to put them right back on track. How many of you have a GPS, have GPS on your device? Raise your hand, let me see. How many have ever used GPS? Okay, all of you under 60, I see. Wonderful, that's great. That's not true. What does the nice lady say when you got carried away talking with someone and, and, and you missed the turn or you turned too, too quickly, what does she say? Recalculating the route, the route. Why? Because her job is to get you to the destination even when you mess up. And guess what, church? You have a sovereign, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent GPS who is committed to getting you to the place he has designed for you even when you mess it up. When you really begin to understand this idea, it will bring freedom to you and begin to unlock the fear that is gripping you in its paralyzing grasp. But we must understand what the key was in Joseph's situation. And we found it just a minute ago when we read verse 19. It's this. Verse 19 says, And Joseph, her husband, 
being a righteous man. Say those two words. He may have been a righteous man, but he was about, as we say in Texas, he was fixing to make a very wrong decision. And here is the comfort for us, not just from Tozier, but from the Word of God. When the Bible says, the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Can somebody say, bless the Lord today? So hold on here. If Joseph is a righteous man, then God's commitment is going to be that he's going to order his steps. In fact, Proverbs 4.18 happens to be a personal favorite of mine. You've heard me quote it often. That is this, that the path of the just or the path of the righteous is as a shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. You know what that tells me, church? Listen, if you don't hear one other thing, listen to this. It tells me this. When you are walking in righteousness with God, your future is protected. When you walk with God, here's what God can do. You can be one step away from messing up all of biblical history and all of prophecy And yet God in his sovereignty, being the divine GPS system in you, can simply breathe out the words, recalculating the route. And he can change it all in a moment of time. Think about this. Joseph is all set. He's got his plan to deal with, and it seemed, I'm, I'm sure on the surface, as a reasonable plan. He's got to deal with this gargantuan issue in his life. But his issue of being righteous is what changes everything for him. Because the steps of a righteous man, the steps of a righteous woman are what? Ordered of the Lord. So that brings the obvious question. What is righteousness? What is righteousness? Because I think it's possible some of you may be sitting right now in your pew there saying, uh, Dan, when you say that word, that's, you know, that's kind of frightening to me. It seems so far removed from who I am and what I am. Because, I mean, Dan, if you really knew. So what is righteousness? It is simply walking daily in right relationship with God. So what does that mean? Let's just blow it up a little bit more here. What does that mean? It means that there is no blockage. It means there is nothing between you and God at all, at all, at all that is hindering relationship. It's what John Wesley meant when he said, this gave us this quote. He said, keep short accounts with God. Don't let the list get long of those things for which you need to ask forgiveness and clear up between you and God. Keep short accounts with God. If anything crops up that could hinder your relationship with God, deal with it now. Deal with it now. Deal with it now. Charles Tenley wrote a hymn. You know with me, everything is in a hymn. I found it somewhere in a hymn. Nothing between my soul and the Savior so that his blessed face may be seen. Nothing preventing the least of his favor. Keep the way clear. Let nothing between. I can't believe I'm going to do it. But I'm going to tell you a story about myself that I'm not proud of. Okay? How many of you have some story you're not proud of about yourself? This happened. I'd love to tell you it was years ago. Happened about a month ago. I'm sitting in my office at home, <clears throat> and um, I was working on an orchestration for someone. I, I honestly don't even remember who. But when you get in that mode as an arranger orchestrator, you get very focused, and you get really deep into it, and you're looking at the design and the structure, and you're, it's, you know, very, it's pretty intense, or it can get that way. And in the middle of doing that, one evening... On my other screen I have over here, I can see text messages coming in through iMessage and suddenly go, bring. And it was someone that I know that um, 
calls upon me to write arrangements for this university. And uh, he said to me, he's a fine man, he's been a friend for years, I do several things a year, you know, for him and, and their university. And the message came and it said, Dan, do you happen to have individual, just small arrangements of these three titles? And he gave me three, I love you, Lord, and worthy is the lamb, and whatever the third one was, that we could take and just put them together as a medley and use them for an event we have coming up in a couple of weeks. So to a lot of people, that maybe sounds reasonable, but not to an arranger orchestrator. That doesn't sound reasonable at all. So <clears throat> I sat there and I wrote back. I said, no, sir, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I don't happen to have, I would need the orchestrations and I would need the choir parts and all that, you know, and I said, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I don't think I have those three particular titles in the way that, that you're asking of them, and I, I finished that. <clears throat> then I picked up my device, my phone, I walked out just to kind of stretch my legs, because I sat there for a minute, and the truth is, the request began to, remember the mode I'm in, okay, began to bug me a little bit. Is that, you ever had anything bug you, or am I the only one? Please tell me you have had some. Remember, we're going to deal with the spirit of lying tonight, all right? <clears throat> I have my phone in my hand, and I walk out, and my kids are out in the, in the living room area, and I said this. I said, you know, <clears throat> because I, it, it was bothering me that you think that you could just, just do that. I said, you would think a man with a Ph.D., who's the head of the music department of a major university in this country, would have better sense than to think that you could just randomly pick this thing and that thing and that song, get you some Elmer's glue, and just stick those things together, and you've got a new arrangement. To an orchestrator arranger who works on designing things specifically and make all that work, that was a little bit out of my thinking. You would think that a man of his caliber would have better sense than to ask a question like that. And when I finished the sentence, my phone went beep, beep. It had created what I said as a voice text and sent it to him. You better turn those phones off right now. <laughs> your phone is not always your friend. And the reason I know he got it, my first thought is, well, maybe it just went into cyberspace somewhere. The reason I know he got it is that standing there looking at that with my heart racing and the blood leaving my face, I immediately get a text back in to which he said, I've only been head of the music department for the last six years. <laughs> now, why do I tell you that? You know how long it took me to clear that up? You know how long it took me to get back in my office and apologize to him? And not only apologize, but I also had to repent before the Lord. Because whether I had said it with my mouth, which I did, and it was there for the world to hear, whether I said it with my mouth or whether it was the quiet intention of my heart, the Lord knew. And here's what I'm saying. Righteousness is keeping short accounts with God. Don't let it build up. Whatever it is, don't let it build. And you deal with it immediately. Because God not only knows the actions that you take, He not only knows the words that you speak, He knows the intention of your heart before you ever say a word or take any action. Righteousness is walking in right relationship with God. Let nothing come between your soul and the Savior, even the quiet thoughts of your own heart. Let nothing come between. What's the benefit of that? Not only to maintain a close relationship with God and to be all that He's designed you to be, but it also means, according to the Scriptures we're looking at today, that your future is protected because He has promised to order the steps of a righteous man, promised to order the steps of a righteous woman. So the next question is, and I don't want you to answer this out loud, it's rhetorical, was Joseph's 
decision to secretly put Mary away. Think about it. Was that decision, his plan? He'd looked over his problems and the situation. His espouse is pregnant, and she's saying it's by the Holy Spirit. Everyone's going to say that's blasphemy. She is capable and in a position to be put to death for both of those situations. He's having to deal with it and make what he believes and wants to be the best decision. Was his decision to secretly put Mary away and break the engagement or divorce by that culture? Was Don't answer out loud. Was that decision right or was that decision wrong? You think about it. Because many of us men, for the protection of the woman in our lives, we would have made the first decision to protect her. We would have done whatever it takes to be sure that she was protected and she was safe. Was his decision right or was his decision wrong? Here's my answer. It doesn't matter. And here's why. God is committed to a righteous man. That even with the bad choice he was about to execute, God goes, whoa, 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 wait a minute. <laughs> That's not going to work. And if I'm ordering your steps, then I need to fix this. And it does not matter if it's in the middle of the midnight hour. Let me tell you this. God knows exactly how to turn the thing around and order your steps aright. He knows how to recalculate the route. Hallelujah. And that's exactly what I'm going to show you that happened. I've already blown past Michael's dismissal time. God bless him from last week. I'll be done sometime today, okay? Joseph is one step away from the biggest mistake in all of human history. God's intention was not that Mary be put aside. And here's the amazing thing. Listen to me. Listen to me. You can be righteous, yet on the verge of making a wrong decision. But as you continue to commit your way to God, righteousness will always prevail. Righteousness triggers God to start ordering your steps. Somebody needs to take that in today. So here's what happens. Suddenly, your goal is not to try to figure out tomorrow, dear friend. Your goal is to stay right before God today. That's your goal. Quit worrying about tomorrow. Stay clean before God today. So instead of, uh, who, who do I marry? And do I marry him? Do I marry her? Which house do we buy? What do we do about our housing situation? Which job should I take? Which classes do I need to sign up for? And God is simply saying to you, just live for me today. Just walk in the Spirit now and watch me order your steps. So here's Joseph saying, okay, I'm putting her away. That was his decision. God said, mm-mm, mm-mm. Too much riding on this. That boy's about to mess this thing up. So angels, let's give him a dream. Let's tell him. Be sure he understands that this thing that's happening, it is of God. I'm going to tell him to marry her and that in her is the Son of God. And that he, Joseph, is to be Mary's husband. And in one night, in one dream, God fixes the whole thing because God is committed to righteousness. Church, God is committed to you. Believe it or not, he's committed to me. That when Joseph was one step away from ruining everything, God steps in with a dream. He gets Joseph's, Joseph's attention and he sets the whole thing right. And the great thing about walking with Jesus today is that you don't really need to have all the information about tomorrow. Now, if you are wired like I am, you'd like to have all your ducks in a row. You'd like to know the plan. You'd like to have your five-year plan, your ten-year plan, all the route, clearly from here to there, all in place. How many have lived long enough to know it doesn't usually work like that? In fact, I want to tell you this. Some of you have a hard time choking this down. You don't even have to worry about tomorrow. You didn't like that, did you? Some of you enjoy worrying. You don't have to worry about tomorrow. 
Jesus himself tells us that in Matthew chapter 6. How many of you know that today has enough worry for itself? So why borrow from tomorrow's problems? Therefore, we can take encouragement from something George Mueller gave us many years ago. George Mueller was an English evangelist from the 1800s because he said this. Listen to this. Not only are the steps of a righteous man ordered of the Lord, but God also knows how to order the stops of a righteous man. Soak that in a second. God knows when you should go forward, and God knows when you should stop. And this moment with Joseph was one of those moments that God steps in and says, we are going to stop you from messing this whole thing up. Prophecy is writing on this. Most of the Old Testament is writing on this. And God is sitting on the throne of heaven saying, I need this baby boy to be born in Bethlehem. That's been the design from the beginning. And then God continues ordering Joseph's steps when he warns him in a, in a dream in chapter 2, verse 12, that he should not return to Herod, for Herod's intentions were to kill the baby. So God gives him another dream and orders his steps. And then in verse 13, yet another dream to order the steps of Joseph to take the young child and his mother and flee to Egypt. And then in verse 19 and 20, yet another dream telling him that Herod had died, so take the child and his mother back to the land of Israel. Step after step after step after step being ordered of God because Joseph was a righteous man. Take Mary to Bethlehem for the baby to be born. That's been the plan all along. God's divine plan. Then for, for the protection of the baby, take him to Egypt. Then take him back to Israel and take him to Nazareth because prophecy from centuries back said he would be a Nazarene. So Joseph, just, 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 just walk in righteousness and you'll be in the exact place you are supposed to be and you'll be covered and protected by me every step of the way. So what does this say to you this morning, church? First of all, I trust for all of us, starting with me, to the back row of the balcony today, that it elevates our understanding and our value for the importance of just living today for God. Living today. Surrender to Jesus. Let us never forget what Matthew 6.33 says, and you could quote it with me. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness. So number one, put first things first. He didn't say, seek the kingdom and tomorrow. He didn't even say, seek ye first the kingdom and his will. He didn't tell us that. He said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and seek righteousness. And everything else will be added unto you. So instead of, who do I marry? Which job do I take? Do I leave Texas? Just forget that. Man, just be a righteous woman of God. God says, I'll take care of who you're going to marry. God says, I'll take over concern of your biological clock. God says, I'll take care of all of it if you will just seek my righteousness. Stop all of the worry and let me, God says, be your first pursuit. Number two, now the weight is on God and it's not on you. Somebody ought to say, thank God. Listen to me. We are designed only to handle today. God says, if you take Thursday and try to cram it into Wednesday, then baby, you have overpacked. You got socks sticking out of your luggage. You got underwear sticking out the other side of your luggage because you have overpacked. Because you tried to take the problems of Thursday and cram them into Wednesday. We need to be free this morning to know that God is in charge of your tomorrow. I don't know who's going to hear this today, but somebody needs to hear God is in charge of your tomorrow. Well, what about my job? God says, you walk in righteousness and I'll take care of it. Daniel walks in righteousness and outlives three emperors in the Babylonian kingdom. While everyone else was worried about what was going to happen, Daniel simply walks with God. He's a praying man, and guess what? God took care of him. He gets thrown into a lion's den. You know the story. Shouldn't he be worried about that? No, not if you're a righteous man, because if you're a righteous man, then you know that God created those lions, and God can close the mouth of those lions. God can do whatever he wants to do. 
The goal for Daniel was not to figure out how to kill lions. The goal for Daniel was to walk in righteousness and put it all on God. How many of you are ready today to put everything on God? Come on. Number three. Is there anything blocking, anything standing in the way between me and God? Anything at all? Is it something that you need to be sure is back in your memory that you need to clear up before God? Is it a small thing that was important to God and you decided to be dismissive of it? Is there any known disobedience? Is there anything that is stopping you from walking in right relationship? Is there anything blocking the path between you and God? Because he's trying to reach to you. Let me tell you, God can reach you by a dream. God can reach you by a circumstance. He can reach you in a worship song. He can speak to you through a tall, handsome Hispanic with the last name Escamilla who can't speak a word of Spanish. <clears throat> he can even reach you through the words of a crusty old musician. God is not limited in his ability to get through to you because unlike Pastor Michael, God is multilingual. He can speak any way he wants to you because, hear me church, God knows your language. And the shepherds were sitting on the hillside. What was it that God used to point them to the Messiah? It was the angels. Born this day in the city of David, a Savior, who's Christ the Lord. But think of this. When God wanted to speak to the Magi, the wise men from the east, what did he use? He didn't use angels. He used a star. Isn't that interesting? Shepherds get angels. Magi get a star. Because shepherds are Jews and the Magi are Babylonians who believe in astrology. Jewish shepherds don't believe in astrology. They believe in angels from Genesis all the way through to Malachi. And the Babylonians don't believe in angels because they're calling up Psychic Friends Network. They're reading horoscopes. So look at what God does. God goes, watch me get you to Jesus. So Magi, guess what? I'm going to talk to you and angels. I did that backwards. Shepherds, I'm going to talk to you and angels. Because you don't understand the stars. Magi, I'm going to talk to you and stars because you don't understand the angels. Regardless it doesn't matter. He's committed to getting to you to Jesus any way that he can, even if it means he has to talk the language of football to you. Church, God knows your language, and he is committed to getting you to where you're supposed to be. All you have to do is walk in righteousness. Somebody say, bless the Lord. Stand with me, please. So here's the goal. <clears throat> Pastor Brent, we're going to sing the great I am, please. Here's the goal. As you walk from this place today, we're going to dismiss in just a moment. You're not going to worry about tomorrow. I'm not being flippant. I'm not minimizing your cares. I'm not saying what you're dealing with is you should think nothing of it. Believe me, Becky and I have walked a few years. We've walked through a few cares that overwhelmed us, had the propensity to paralyze us, and could have derailed us completely. We understand that. We've had enough life journey to know that. So I'm not minimizing that. Don't think I'm being insensitive, insensitive to your needs. But I believe the word of the Lord today that says, cast your care upon him, for he cares upon you. So here's the goal as you leave today. We're not going to worry about tomorrow. Also, we're going to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And then the other goal is this. Let's keep short accounts with God. Begin to make that a habit and a pattern. The minute you feel, oh, I need to clear that up with God. I need to clear that up. Keep short accounts with God. 
We're going to commit ourselves to Him in this holiday season like we never have before. If you're in favor of all that, say amen. The mountains shake before Him. The demons run and flee. At the mention of your name, King of Majesty. There's no power. possibly do but Lord you know our frame you know that we are weak you know that we are prone to make wrong decisions but we are asking today and I lift this fellowship before you today Lord let nothing stand between us and you nothing at all let us keep short accounts with you O oh God nothing between my soul and the Savior so that your blessed face we may see and Lord we are asking today and I'm asking on behalf of our church today would you order our steps aright? Your promise is that you order the steps of a righteous man, a righteous woman. And Lord, I'm asking this, that you will keep us on track today. Just for today, Lord, I'm just asking for your grace for today. And we're asking you to be the divine GPS within us, that should we go to the left or to the right in a way that's not pleasing to you and not according to your plan or your design, you will quickly recalculate the route for us today. Set us back on track as we choose to live and walk righteously before you. And we say this in the peerless, matchless name of Jesus. And all who agrees with that prayer will say, Amen. Amen.